Welcome to the 80th episode of Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. My guest coming up is Darcel Elliott. Darcel is really knowledgeable about Santa Barbara County politics. She's the chair of the Santa Barbara County Democratic Party, and she's been around for a long time, having a long tenured career with Supervisor Doss Williams. She's worked with him since uh, he was a member of the California State Assembly. And Darcel and I are going to talk about politics. We're going to talk about the Santa Barbara mayoral race. We're going to talk about the city council elections and all the various scenarios that could emerge on election day. There's a little bit of drama, a little bit of peril surrounding the mayor's race. And Darcel's going to talk about what that means and how we got here and whether she thinks Kathy Maria is going to get reelected and what are some of the challenges for her in trying to seek a second term. There's a lot of math and there's a lot of sort of conversation around uh, what could happen on election day. Darcel also talks about North County and the party's expansion and to uh, grow its political base in uh, the north, northern part of Santa Barbara County. And also Darcel talks a little bit about her upbringing, uh, growing up in, in Santa Maria and going to UCSB and sort of how she found her, her love for politics. So this is a really good conversation. Nobody knows local Santa Barbara County politics like Darcel. So we're going to dive deep. And I want to thank you for listening. If you listen to these on streaming platforms such as Apple or SoundCloud or Google or wherever, please uh, don't hesitate to jump over to YouTube and watch the podcast. And if you do, please subscribe. I'm trying to build my subscriber base. It helps me grow my audience, moves me closer toward monetization, and just allows me to bring the podcast to a larger, broader audience. So appreciate you subscribing and also uh, give me a review, uh, make a comment, um, just whatever you can do to show some engagement. I'd really appreciate it. So thanks a lot. I'm really proud. This is the 80th episode of Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. So without further ado, let's listen, let's talk, let's converse with Darcel Elliott. Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's my pleasure to be here today with Darcel Elliott, who I know kind of well, used to work in the same office as her for a, you know, a little while there, a couple of stints back in the old Doss Williams days. So um, yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate um, you taking the time, Darcel, to sit down and talk. How are you doing today? Um, I'm doing well. It's a little bit hot out today, but you know, it's, it's hot October. That's uh, now I've officially put that out there. That, that's my trademark. <laughs> Yeah, hot October. Yeah, it was uh like seventy nine. I, I like it was so hot. I looked at it. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a warm day today. Uh, but I, I want I want to talk to you because you are the chair of the Santa Barbara County Democratic Party. So you have um, you know a very prominent, important role here in this town in terms of trying to organize, trying to build, try to boost, try to support elected Democrats, and a variety of other things. So I want to talk to you about the Santa Barbara mayoral election, city council election. Let's see if we can just sort of start there. We've got a mayoral election. We've got an incumbent in Kathy Murillo, who's looking to run for a second term. And uh, she's facing, obviously, we got a strong challenger in Randy Rouse, who's this moderate, conservative, former council member, has a lot of support from different parts of the community. But Kathy's also facing some challenges from other Democrats. You know, you see James Joyce, who you know well, used to work with, uh, Deborah Schwartz, who you know well, um, and then other people sort of, you know, down ballot. But with those sort of four people at the top, 
can you talk to me a little bit about your thoughts going into this election as party chair? And what are you concerned about? What are you worried about? What is your, what's going on as we approach this election? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was, I was sort of bummed going into this election because as you mentioned, I know Deborah and James well. Um, James is, is like a brother to me. He's like part of my political family. You know, we worked on Doss's 2010 uh, campaign together. Um, and when you organize with someone on a campaign, you're sort of bonded for life. So, um, you know, I'm really close with James and, and uh, Deborah, you know, I worked, uh, I was the organizing director for the Democratic Party for the 2011 city council race. So I worked really hard to elect Deborah to the city council in 2011. And, um, you know, she was successful. Um, and uh, Kathy also ran that year and Ia Falcone. So, um, you know, so I, I I respect both James and, and Deborah, and I, I'm close to them as individuals, and I think they have a lot to offer our community. Um, and so I was I was pretty bummed to see them running against Kathy, and because um, I because I, I think Kathy's done a great job as mayor. I think she's pushed through a lot of really great policies. Um, I think this has been, you know, not just Kathy. We also have Kristen standing up for re-election and Megan Harmon. Eric Friedman's up for re-election, but he doesn't have an opponent. Um, this city council has been one of probably one of the most productive um, that I've I've seen. I mean, I've only been here 13 years now, but <laughs> in politics, but um, but it, they've been really productive um, in passing major progressive policies. And so um, that's that's a little bit disheartening to see. So I, I wasn't looking forward to this one. Um, you know, I I'm not running. That we're not running a campaign against the Burr James. We're running a campaign for Kathy and Kristen and Megan. Um, and uh, yeah, so sort of coming in, I was like, I'm glad this is the last odd year of city council elections. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's put people in really tough spots who are loyal to the Democratic Party and who they endorse. Uh, you've got people who are torn. Like, do I, do I support Kathy? Again, even though maybe I don't agree with everything, everything going on with the city, um, do I give somebody else a chance knowing that James has been involved with, you know, he worked for Doss Williams, he worked for Hannibal Jackson, and to a degree, you know, he's a party person, you know, has been involved with the party. What would you say to sort of somebody who's sort of like, struggling, like, like, what do I do? Because you know, you know, the media does this calculus. I, I know, I don't know how true it is, or if you guys think about it too, but it's like, you know, the more votes James gets, the less votes Kathy's going to get, and Randy's going to be the mayor. So can you talk a little bit about sort of your, your thoughts on that whole scenario? Well, you, well, you said sort of what our, yeah. at the Democratic Party, our big fear is. Um, I think when Randy Rouse entered the the fray, it sort of changed the dynamic of the election. Um, if this, and also if this was an open seat, it would be a totally different conversation, right? But when you have an incumbent who has a voting record, who has a track record, and I mean, we're, we're Democrats, so, well, I think in just in general, whether you're a Democrat or not, there is no elected official that's gonna do 100% of what you want 100% of the time. No human being is gonna do 100% of what you want 100% of the time. So, but in terms of the Democratic Party's platform, which um, you know is on our website and it was developed by our platform committee through public meetings and voted on by our Democratic Central Committee, which is a democratically elected body, um, so, you know, that platform is, is sort of, that's how it's developed, but being a Democrat, 
it's a really big tent. And so you're going to have people who disagree with aspects of that platform, even if that's what sort of came through. Um, and you're going to have people disagreeing with things that Kathy did as mayor, even though, um, you know, her policies have been very much in line with the Democratic Party platform. And so but that's one thing is, you know, Kathy's voting record. And then the other thing is, is just what you said of, of the fear of Randy getting in. We would have, it would be our first conservative mayor in like at least 30 years. I don't, I don't know the party preference of people before Sheila Lodge, but um, you know, it's, I think that's a real fear for people um, and not wanting that. And so um, I think, you know, that's been compelling people uh, to, to support Kathy um, in this crowded race. Now, there's probably a couple people watching or listening who are going to say, oh, my goodness, I can't believe James is only seen as sort of a factor in the larger equation of whether Kathy or Randy's going to win. There are people who say, well, James can win. Why not? Um, you vote for who you like, and they've got just as much shot as anybody else. Can you talk a little bit about what that really means from an organization perspective? Can anybody win? Why are we only talking about it in the context of, you know, it's not that James is going to win, it's that James is going to cause Randy to win. You know, can you talk, like, what is that math about? Like, why, why, do, we, why do people think like that? Hmm? Well, and I think, yeah, I mean, I think earlier on, um, that was definitely a, a conversation, right? Like, maybe you know well i mean you're, i know you're not talking about deborah but i mean one thing with deborah is when she ran for city council she came in sixth place yeah. so that's sort of <clears throat> a calculation that we have concrete data on right yeah. um and with james he's never run for office before and you know it's i know that there are people who who say we shouldn't go by fundraising and and things like that but ultimately at the end of the day you need money to run a campaign and you need money to be on TV, to send mailers out. Um, the Democratic Party operation, you know, is it's a large operation. We have a significant number of volunteers. Um, although, you know, people don't volunteer with us if they don't support the candidates that we're supporting. So that's, um, you know, it's not like we have a bunch of people who are just mindlessly sheeping, coming in and, and just doing what we say. You know, they, they care about these candidates. They care about the policies that they've passed and talking to voters and about those policies. And, you know, we've been doing that since July this year because of the recall election. <clears throat> so that put us on a totally different timeline um, where we usually wouldn't start until late August, early September. We started in July. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, I know James was out there canvassing too, because I've seen him and talked to him and he, again, we worked on a campaign together. We were organized in the same school of organizing. Um, but it, you just don't have those numbers out there to talk to enough voters to get that plurality to, because again, you don't need a majority vote, but you do need a plurality. And does he have the resources and the campaign organization to get out there and talk to enough voters to make that happen? Um, and I, I just, I haven't, I have not seen that personally, um, but you know, I, I don't know. So. Yeah. And it's really hard to oust an incumbent. And in this case, you've got People who vote in Santa Barbara elections, they know Randy Rouse. He's been on the ballot. His name's been on there. 
and and they know Kathy. And so these are familiar names. And so now you've got some other people on the ballot. As you noted, Deborah Ann for city council didn't go very well for her. She's back there. But of course, you know, she's a Democrat. She's going to, she's a factor here. She'll take some votes away from probably Randy too, a little bit, because, you know, she's had to play a little bit of that sort of moderate, be in that kind of moderate space that appeals to, to Randy. Um, so I guess the big question is, I know you don't want to reveal sort of like what's behind the curtain, but how much of a concern do you have about Kathy at this moment, not getting reelected because there are strong Democrats in the race and because you have a strong, moderate, right-leaning, you know, candidate in the race? Yeah. I mean, I'm very concerned about Randy getting elected. Um, And that's why I'm out there every single weekend knocking on doors and actually I've started doing weekdays also. We've had volunteers going out on weekdays. Um, And, you know, I'm having really good talks with voters. And I think some people, you know, are undecided. They're like, there's so many candidates here. Um, And then a lot of people I talk to are like, yeah, of course, I voted for Kathy before I'll vote for her again. Um, And so, um, and then also, you know, and and part of my um, conversation I had with James when he was first considering running um, was, I ran against an incumbent. Um, you know, you, you'll remember, maybe your listeners won't, but <laughs> I, I ran for in 2018 for Santa Barbara City College against a, a board of trustees against an incumbent. Yeah. And, you know, I told him being an incumbent is very hard. It's very, very hard. And I had the Democratic Party support. I was out there walking every single day um, talking to voters. And, you know, it's still, I still was getting people, it was a slightly different election. People didn't know that was race was even on the ballot, but but it's it's really challenging. And when in doubt, people on their ballot sort of default to the incumbent if they think things are going fine. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you listen to my podcast with Draka Laramore Hall, who is a former chair of the party and has done a lot of stuff statewide uh, as well. And I know him from back in the day. So I like talking to him. And when we can record our conversations and talk about what we talk about, it's even better. Um, I want to know, I want to ask you sort of the same question about uh, gender and race as it relates to Kathy. Uh, Do you feel as though Kathy has some barriers to overcome that maybe a different candidate wouldn't have to because she's Mexican-American, she's a Latina, um, and, and, and she's judged in ways that maybe Randy Rouse isn't judged. And, and to what degree, if that's true, does that play into sort of this whole discussion and debate about whether to vote for her again? Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely. I um, Before I even became party chair, I sat down with a lot of our, particularly women of color um, who are elected or who have decided to run for office, um, because that is actually a demographic that we're very um, low in, in terms of rep- representation in our South County elected officials. Um, we're, we're really good at electing women. We have a, a good number of women elected, but not a lot of women of color. And and I'm always, you know, talking to these women of color and just how, how challenging it is because it feels like you have to be perfect every time. Like you cannot make a mistake because it will count double against you that it counts against, um, you know, a person who isn't of color or, or a man. Um, and so, I think that absolutely um, is a challenge and a barrier that Kathy overcomes and has to overcome. But I also think it's one of her biggest strengths. Um, we have a lot of women of color in the city. Um, and she, you know, um, 
they see her when they, you know, not, not, not everyone of color is going to see themselves and happy, but, but it's representation matters, you know, um, seeing someone who looks like you on in a position of power is important. Um, and I think that is, um, a benefit that Kathy has. Yeah. I mean, Santa Barbara, you look at the school district, it's almost what 65% we're talking about Latinos, um, who, who attend our public schools. Um, and I think the city population may be around 40-ish percent. And when they see Kathy or when they see Alejandra or Oscar, they definitely, it helps them sort of say to them, whoa, maybe I can be like that when you see yourself reflected. And, and that's, I think, something a lot of people take for granted, you know, like, I don't think if you're not a person of color, you necessarily think like that. But if you're looking for people like you doing successful things, it helps to, 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 to know that, that you can find them on the city council or in these, in these positions. Um, it's not just all one type of person. So, and I've seen Kathy with, uh, with young people, um, young, you know, various groups, um, organizations, and she really resonates well, you know, with them. So I, you know, I definitely, she's got some things to, to overcome that other people don't. Um, and I think it's a challenge because the city's kind of in shambles. You don't have to go there, but we've had high turnover. Uh, people are leaving. Um, there's been lots of change. City administrators leaving. Obviously, we've had COVID. There's lots of impacts there. Um, we've had lots of things that are out of her control, but she is the mayor. And, and of course, people are going to say, you're the mayor, so let's get Let's get somebody else in there. Let's talk about the city council. Uh, Megan Harmon is running for re-election in uh, District 6. Uh, she's appointed. This is the first time she's on the ballot. And it looked like she was going to skate. It looked like she was going to just get elected, not really have a legitimate challenger. And then all of a sudden, out of no nowhere, Nina Johnson, who worked for the city for a long time, says she's going to run. Can you talk about what that meant from the party's perspective in terms of repositioning or recalibrating and what that discussion was like when you had somebody who's got a name, at least in terms of city government circles? Well, I always, you know me well, Josh, but um, for those of you who don't know me well, I always run everything as if there's going to be an opponent. Um, and so um, I was telling Megan, you know, you got to make sure you fundraise and, and you got to, you know, make sure you're doing all of these things um, just the advice I was giving her as if you have an opponent, even if you don't have an opponent, you just have to, um, you know, um, still run like you're running against someone. Um, and I think, you know, after she actually did have an opponent, fundraising and such became a little bit easier for her. Um, um, I know, you know, Nina's being supported by a lot of um, businesses and property owners in the community. So she's, she's doing really well with fundraising, but um, other folks have, have now started to step up for Megan to, to support her and keep her in office. So, um, so I think that was sort of the biggest change is that, you know, it, it became easier for, for Megan doing what she was already doing. Um, I mean, easier in terms of people understood the importance. Um, it, everything else became harder, but, you know. <laughs> um, so we, I mean, we were, um, already starting to canvas in um, the sixth district we also because we we really focused for the recall in the east side west side downtown areas because those were the areas where uh, turnout was lower um, and so we were heavily in those areas um, before the recall election so what do you think of Megan Harmon uh, Duraka mentioned on the podcast 
the party kind of got lucky because, you know, he had this appointment process when Greg Hart was stepping off and there were a whole bunch of people who ran and um, there were some perceptions about who was going to get it and who wasn't. And all of a sudden Megan Harmon shows up and, you know, grew up in Lompoc, been in Santa Barbara for a couple of years and gets enough votes. And all of a sudden there she is. And ever since then, she's been pretty, pretty strong on the issues that the party cares about. Um, do you feel like you sort of got lucky? She didn't come up the traditional organizational ranks, you know, she just kind of appeared one day and now she's a party person. How do you feel about, um, you know, how she's done? That's well, that's funny to ask me because in my day job, um, you know, I work for Doss Williams, our county supervisor. And so Megan was our housing authority commissioner Mm -hmm. when she applied. So we had to interview Megan for that position. Um, and you know, it's, it's no surprise, right, that she's so strong in housing, which um, Josh knows is an important issue to my boss, Doss, but also to me. And so, um, he, so you know, she she already had all of those values in place, um, and that's why we appointed her to the housing authority. So I wasn't, I wasn't surprised to see her. And she was also involved with Women's Political Committee. She had also been coming to Canvas every weekend um, since, you know, early 2018 at least I started seeing her and Mara at the oh. office. So, um, so she was already, already pretty involved. Okay. So she had put in some of the work and you're right. I had forgotten about that housing authority position. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the other race real briefly. It's very clear from a party perspective who the candidate is in this one, because you've got Kristen Stedden, environmentalist, uh, Democrat endorsed by the party. And you have Barrett Reed, who's not a Republican, but he is. He's a conservative, and he's. I think he's been registered Republican in the past, but he's a conservative guy. And you know, I'm not saying that as disparaging. That's what he is, um, and he's raised a lot of money, and he's trying to oust an incumbent. Um, what are your thoughts on this race? It's a lot of money. I mean, he he's raised more than two hundred thousand dollars, and I think Kristen was at like sixty something last time I did the reporting. I know those numbers are a little higher now, but. Um, is this a, is this going to be, this is a threat, right? This is a challenge, all of that money. What are your thoughts? I mean, I think we definitely approached it as such. Um, and I've been canvassing in Kristen's district pretty much nonstop for the last month. Um, and I haven't gotten anyone who is voting for Barrett Reed yet. And so, I mean, you know, work, I'm canvassing more in the flatlands. Kristen's covering herself, covering the Hillier areas, the Riviera and such that are in her district. Um, and uh, I've had, a, Barrett is working it. I mean, like, you know, we were talking about having the organization and stuff. I mean, I think he definitely has the organization of, to to sort of overcome incumbency, um, the money wise, and he's, he's walking and talking to voters and stuff. Um, but his, I think his platform is way off. Um, you know, I talked to to voters and they say, oh yeah, Barrett, we came to my door, but he seemed really out of touch. And so, like, he seemed sort of not, you know, um, to know really what was like going on with the city and stuff like that. And so that, um, you know, they just didn't feel like he represented their own views towards Santa Barbara. And I, um, and you take that in hand with Kristen being an incumbent, representing that district well, um, you know, that is a, a more, it's a heavy Dem district, but it's a more conservative Democratic crowd, um, and so uh, I, I I feel I feel strong about Kristen, um, but I, w- I was very worried um, going into it. So. 
And the party endorsed her this time. She was not endorsed the first time. I know you were not chair at that time, but you were involved. What was the biggest difference that made the party say, okay, we're going to, we're going to back you. I, I know that they're going against Barrett Reed, but I mean, what is it that you saw in Kristen that maybe the party didn't see the first time? Well, she didn't, um, she, she jumped in the race late last time, if you recall, like right before filing. Um, and um, so the party had just already made its endorsement and had started its, its campaign. But um, I think, you know, Kristen is um, obviously has a lot of progressive values with um, environment in particular. Um, but also she's really, you know, been, been an advocate for social justice and racial justice issues um, since uh, in the last couple of years also. And so, um, you know, um, you know, one, one area I'm always talking with her on is housing because I'm, I'm, I have a sort of a different view on housing than she does, than she does on some things. But, um, you know, I think that is appropriate for her district. I think her views are appropriate for her district. And, um, you know, she she did support the housing project on the Carrillo Castillo lot, um, which is, you know, rent capped for working families and stuff. So um, she's following through with, you know, what she's been saying um, that she wants, you know, literal affordable housing. Um, and so, you know, I appreciate that about her. So, um, so I definitely advocated for us endorsing her. Um, and so, you know, I feel, I feel, I feel good about her. Good. Now you, you're fairly new in this position. You're the new chair. I think you've been doing it, what, about a year now, a little less than a year? Um, yeah, since can, February. Since February. Okay. So can you talk about, for people who may not know the scope of what the party is and what it does and, you know, what are some of the things you're working on that might be a little different than, than in the past? Uh, you know, this is not just Santa Barbara City Council elections that the party's concerned about. It's it's much broader. So can you talk a little bit about what the party does and its reach? Yeah, so um, the Santa Barbara County Democratic Party is a um, subsection of the state Democratic Party, but it's its own entity. We are governed by a 35 member. Um, that's just the number of people we have right now. It's not dictated at 35. Um, 35 member body called the Democratic Central Committee. I'm the chair of that body. Um, so we have an executive board and you know, so I'm the chair of that body and the, our bylaws state that the chair is the spokesperson for the party and, and you know, supervises the staff and, and everything like that. So, um, and I personally have been working in Santa Barbara County politics for 13 years now. Um, and I've worked on um, a variety of campaigns. I'm, I'm from Santa Maria, so I'm from our North County, um, and I've worked on countywide campaigns and ballot measures. I've worked on stuff in Ventura County as well. So, um, you know, the the Santa Barbara County Democratic Party is has a, has an organization that's countywide. Um, historically, most of our resources have been focused in South County, um, just because that's where a lot of our Democrats are. Um, but we have these really powerful clubs in North County. We have the San Inez Valley Democratic Organization, the Lompoc Valley Democratic Club, and the um, Democratic Club of Santa Maria Valley also. Um, and they've, they've been sort of the people doing all the work in North County forever. Um, and recently we've had a lot of successful wins. Um, we've got Gloria Soto elected to the Santa Maria City Council, uh, Jeremy Ball elected to the Lompoc City Council, the first Democrat, um, elected to that council in a number of years. Um, we got um, 
in Wilton, we have a city council member who was the first person elected as, as a Democrat. She wasn't, she's not the only Democrat on the board, but she's the only one that sought the Democratic Party endorsement. Um, and we also got two school board, a school board member in Lompoc and a school board member in the San Diego Valley. Um, so, so that all happened in the last two years. So um, trying to capitalize on, on that strength and, and keep that going, we just hired a North County organizer so we have an organizing director, Spencer Brandt, who oversees all of our organizing throughout the county. Um, and then this North County organizer is specifically focused on North County and trying to build up our base there further and make more inroads and build on our recent successes. Um, and his name is uh, Giovanni Medina. Um, and he just started at the beginning of October. So, so um, it, <laughs> including running all this Santa Barbara City Council race, we're also starting this huge North County um, effort at the same right. time. So. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about you, um, your just sort of your story? Um, you know, I used to work for Doss Williams. I worked for you, worked with you. I don't really know a whole lot about you other than, you know, um, that period of, of your time. You're from Santa Maria, but can you talk a little bit about like just you growing up and how you got involved in politics and how it became such a passion for you? Yeah. Um, I'm not, you know, like I, I, I grew up in a political home, I guess, but not a super political. My parents were huge Democrats, huge Bill Clinton fans. Um, I remember in, in like first grade, um, someone told me that Bill Clinton wanted to kill babies. And I said, that's not true. You know, I had no idea what they were talking about. I just immediately defended Bill Clinton. Um, so, you know, I definitely like grew up in a democratic household, but it wasn't like a politically engaged household, so to speak, like locally or different like that. Um, and then I went to UCSB um, where I went to school to be a teacher, um, a history teacher specifically. And um, I had to take a women's studies class um, and Hannah Beth Jackson was a guest speaker in that class. And she, she did what she does to so many people, which is got me super um, excited about, you know, our local elected officials and, and what they're about. And, um, and so when I uh, went to graduate, um, the history department sent out uh, an email for an internship on Hannah of Jackson State Senate campaign in 2008. So this is the one she lost to Tony Strickland. And um, I uh, applied for an internship, I got it. Um, and uh, DOS was my, was the field director on that campaign, DOS Williams. So, um, so he hired me as a paid canvasser on that campaign. And then um, he, he thought I, I had some talent when it came to talking to voters. So um, he suggested me also for uh, Helene Schneider's campaign for mayor. Mm -hmm. um, and so I worked on Helene Schneider's campaign in 2009. Um, and then I worked on Doss's assembly race in 2010 as an organizer. And then he hired me at the assembly and, um, and I've continued to, um, you know, there's a period of time where I would take leaves of absences from the assembly to run campaigns. Um, and then uh, I sort of stopped doing, I, I stopped doing that when we moved over to the county. Um, and so, but I was still obviously volunteering a lot in our political campaigns. What is that work like? I think that a lot of people don't understand how difficult the work of an organizer is uh, somebody who devotes their 24 seven to helping another candidate 
during an election. Um, it's not easy. I mean, obviously, I've done a little bit of that. I know what, how much work it is. And I have a lot of appreciation for, for people who do that. Can you talk about what what that entails? I mean, what is your life like? You're, you don't really have much of a life other than what you're actually doing for your candidate, right? I mean, yeah. you talk about canvassing and calling and raising money and you know, spreading the word, it's it's really kind of a selfless thing. You don't ever get to talk about yourself. You're always talking about, you know, someone else or their platform. Yeah. Um, and I think for a long time, that's why I liked doing it because I didn't have to talk about myself. But yeah, it's, um, it's a really invigorating uh, line of work though. Um, like you just, so I personally love empowering people. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of mentorship of younger organizers and trying to teach them about organizing and, and stuff. And when you see other people sort of take ownership of a campaign or, or feel like empowered, like, you know, voting is one thing, but, you know, actually talking to voters and stuff like that is like multiplying your vote by, you know, a, by tons. And, um, you know, seeing people sort of develop that way and put themselves out there and it's also gonna be very nerve-wracking talking to people but it's so important to our democracy like i'm just I, you know I'm a, I'm a really big fan of democracy <laughs> um and i just i you know i think it's very very important that people engage not only on our elections but also in our like public policy and you know, we have the same folks who usually make public comment over and over again. And a lot of my career has been dedicated to how do we get folks, how can we get input, input from folks who don't have the time to sit in a hearing room and get public comment or now sit on Zoom and you don't know when your name's going to get called. You know, it, it takes a lot of flexibility in your schedule. And how do we get the input of people who are not able to do that um, and are often voiceless in our government? And so... Um, it's just all a really, really powerful um, experience that sort of feeds you and keeps you going. It's not for everyone. I've seen a lot of people decide, hey, this life is not for me. Um, you know, I'm sort of at the point where, you know, I don't campaign like I used to. I used to pull like 16 hour days, you know, easy peasy. Um, and now I'm like, mm, it's 8 p.m. I got to go home and get ready for bed. So. <laughs> yeah. And, and, it's what is it 5 a.m with the donuts on um election day uh get out early it's it's an incentive um, i always credit you for uh being addicted to my iced caramel macchiatos from starbucks <laughs> i don't know if you still yeah. drink those but i always think of you when i order mine because like, i remember those days <laughs> um I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a little about Doss Williams. Um, you know, obviously uh, he, he's been an amazing mentor to a whole bunch of people over the years. You know, a lot of people, you know, he can be sort of controversial. People who don't know him sort of see him as one way. But, you know, for those who like saw him from the beginning and how he rose up, you know, he mentors people. He mentors a lot of young women. He gives people leadership opportunities. He's always employed a lot of females on his staff. And uh, he also puts the work in, you know, he's not one of these go do it, but I'm not going to do it kind of people, you know, regardless of what you think of his votes or whatever, you know, he's, he does, he puts the work in. And I know you two have a strong bond. So can you talk about what it's been like to be with Doss Williams for his, his journey from, from city council to assembly to 
to, I know you weren't with him on city council, but, you know, just kind of knowing the whole process to where he's at right now. And what's that been like? You guys are super politically tight, you know, it's, you guys have that bond. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think exactly what you said about the mentorship and leadership development. Uh, if Dawson didn't give me like, you know, total freedom to work on whatever I want to work on, I probably wouldn't have worked with them for 13 years. Um, you know, I, I'm, I feel extremely fortunate. Um, I know he feels fortunate to have me. Um, and, um, you know, I, uh, I, it's really um, nice to know someone so well, you know, I know him inside and out. And so I know his, the way his brain works. So I can say, you know, easily like, yeah, DOS supports this or DOS does not support this. You know, there's a few times I need to talk to him about something. Um, but usually it's more of a strategy call of like, hey, let's talk this out and decide what we're going to do, because there's a couple different ways this could go. Um, but, you know, it's um, it's an extremely empowering role, and especially to be in that role since I was a young woman, you know, in the assembly, um, you know, like DOS always um, empowered me a lot to, to work on whatever I wanted to, including you know, the cliff drive situation where we moved it from a highway to a, a city street and and I was like, I think we can do this, let's do it. And Franklin Neighborhood Center or the Franklin Service Center um, and uh, the creation of the Isla Vista Community Services District. Those were all really rewarding things to get to work on. And, and those were things that, um, you know, I sort of said I wanted to work on. And he was like, yeah, go for it, whatever, whatever you want to do. So, um, so, you know, he fully trusts me and I trust him. And so that's a, it's a pretty unique uh, situation. And, you know, he fully supports me also being my own person and, you know, being party chair, he recognizes that I've, I've got to watch out for everyone, all of our democratic electeds and, and you know, and so he, he fully supports my independence also. Did you get involved with the Coastal Commission thing? Were you able to, did you have to choose, stay out of it? Or how did you navigate that conversation? Well, I think you I think you talked to Doss about it when he was on your podcast, um, but he he was working really closely with Megan that whole time. You know, they talked a lot, and um, you know, especially like you said, supporting young women. I mean, Doss told me he said, "Well, you know, being on the Coastal Commission has always been a dream of his." So he didn't want to take himself totally out of the running, um, and also we have the ability to elect, uh, appoint a supervisor or nominate a supervisor. So, but. Um, but he's, he said, but Megan and I, we have the same values and, and she's a young, she's younger and she's a woman. So isn't she better than me actually? And, and, um, and I told him, yeah, she is actually probably better than you. So, you know, he, he stuck it, he kept his name in and, and, and tried for it, but he was also supporting Megan the whole time. And, and they talked a lot during that whole process. So, um, so I definitely didn't see it as the two of them competing. I, I've told Megan, I think it's totally great that, you know, the media is portraying it as like, she, you know, you know, I mean, and she did, she, she did a huge feat of, of taking out, getting chosen over someone who has worked in this field for over 20 years and has over 20 years of postal policy. It just shows how smart she is and how, how, um, politically capable she is. Um, and so, um, you know, I was, I was just super happy for felt very happy with that situation. And I'm also happy that DOS doesn't have to be on Coastal Commission meetings and we don't have to figure out all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, more work. 
I always say Megan is the new Doss Williams. Um, she's the right. She's she's like what he was, you know, like this. Who is this person? They're going to they're going to go as far as they want to go, you know, and just have all this like great sort of policy knowledge, you know. So it's interesting to sort of see them, you know, her at this stage of her career and Doss is, you know, still very influential at the Board of Supervisors. Hey, I want to bring this around full circle um, just as we wrap up here. What do you say to somebody who says, I don't know what to vote for. I kind of like Kathy, but hey, I kind of I kind of want to give James a chance too. Um, you know, he seems like a really good guy. He worked for Hannah Beth and uh, you know, he's 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 done good in the community. What who do I vote for? You know, what's the argument that you're making for somebody who's who's torn between um, you know, a progressive and a and Democrat, a liberal Democrat? Yeah, and I've, I've had voters ask me that question. And, you know, I tell them my relationship with James and I think James is great. And, um, you know, that it's not it's not anything on, on James. It's that Kathy's done a really great job as mayor. She has a really um, uh, incredible voting record, which people can see exactly where she stands on all these issues when put to the test, which is something that you don't always get with candidates because they say they're going to do all these things, but it's a totally different animal being in office. She's been on the city council for 10 years now. Um, and you can see what she's done in, in that capacity. And then, and then I, I, I tell people, you know, my fear of, of Randy Rouse getting elected and that I don't want to see a conservative mayor in Santa Barbara. I don't think that will be representative of Santa Barbara. And so um, we've got to pick the person who's, who has the biggest strength to beat Randy. And I think that's Kathy Murray. And if it's, if it's November 2nd and it's 1030 or it's November 3rd in the morning and, and, and Randy Rouse is the mayor and Kathy's second and James is third and Deborah's fourth, Will the party hold that against Deborah and, and, and James? I mean, is that going to be a thing of like, we told you? I mean, what, what's the conversation around that? I mean, I think there's going to be people who are really upset about that. Um, I think just with every election, it's like, you know, the aftermath is it can be rough and then something else happens and everyone sort of moves on. Um, and, you know, I, and, so I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they decided to run for office or something else in the future. It would depend on what the seat is and who they're running against and all of those things, just like with anyone. So, I mean, I don't think that would change much. But um, but <laughs> I'll tell you, if it shows that Randy's in the lead on November 3rd, it depends by how much. Uh, and because we have, uh, you know, ballots keep getting counted uh, until five days after. So. Um, as long as they're postmarked by election day. So yeah. uh, we may we may not know for sure until like a week later or something. So it's really oh, man. it's gonna be close. Hopefully it's not another eight vote, you know, sort of thing like with the city council a couple years ago. Yeah. Well it's um but that was LA County did that election. So our own Santa Barbara County was doing this election now. Oh, so right. uh, and I think that's why they decided not to vote with LA because <laughs> it was want to stretch it out forever <laughs> okay but even with that um you know alejandra and jason dominguez race uh, it was by eight votes but we knew pretty much the next day so hopefully yeah because the trend was going up and you know what direction that's going um okay yeah. so um thanks a lot darcel appreciate the time and the conversation and uh 
good luck to you. And, um, you know, I, I know a lot of people are saying you're doing a great job as sort of the new leader of the chair, chair of the party. So keep it up and uh, we'll talk soon. Take care. Thanks, Josh.